Oh, you can't hear me? Oh, now I can. Hi. How's it going? It's going. It's going. I had so many windows pop up, right? It was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's usually what happens. <laughs> I have uh, I have a great time with all of technology every time I have to do one of these. <laughs> so yeah, I'm usually, oh, yeah, Zoom has an update. <laughs> always, always. Um, or when you try to log into your own room and it's telling you the host is waiting to start and you're like, but this is my room. Um, So I have a bit of a a cough, so I'm going to try to mute myself if ever I have to like cough up a lung. Um, Okay. But that's okay. I'm glad that, uh, that you're here. And right right now we've got Jessica on the, on the call, Um, but this will be uploaded as a replay as well. So everyone will get to see it. It's probably just like a strange time for a lot people. of people. Hi, Jessica. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. So how- <laughs> oh, hi, Jessica. Hi. Hello. Um, so today's call is with Lucy Colangelo. She's joining us from Niagara, the Niagara area of Ontario, Canada, for anybody who doesn't know. Um, and so fellow Canadian, but I know a lot of our members are in the States. So Yes. Uh, and today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, well, what Lucy does. It's a, it's a life coaching program, I would say with that. Is that how you would define it? Yeah. Life coaching. Um, and you'll tell us a bit about your process. I have a few interview questions here, and then we can just kind of riff on that. So let's start by kind of telling the tribe um, a little bit about your history. So what you were doing, um, mm-hmm. and then how it shifted into what you do today and the importance of what you do. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for having me. I love it. I am here hanging out with the tribe. That felt really nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I am from the Niagara area. So I do just want to say Niagara Falls is just a bike ride away or a short car ride away. So it is, I live, I feel like in paradise because it's absolutely beautiful all year long to go out there. Um, And so, yeah, I am a, I'm in the life coaching business now. That wasn't always the case. I am uh, a business communications marketing specialist type of person. So I was always writing copy for marketing, for websites, for all kinds of things. And eventually when I started my family, I was doing freelance work and clients were uh, looking for like a whole solution in terms of how to do their marketing, and I would take them through my process. And my process, I thought, was pretty basic. I had these basic questions about the business and the direction that they wanted to take the company in and what's the story. And it was not just once or twice or three times. It was more like half a dozen to a dozen times. Each and every client that I worked with said, where were you when I was a teenager? Where were you when I was starting out? I never had this kind of clarity before. I didn't really focus on this type of thing. And all I thought I was doing was helping get clarity so we'd have a good story. So we'd have stuff to post on, you know, Instagram or like Facebook or have something to record for YouTube or whatever we were doing. And my clients started to get very excited about the personal clarity and the the confidence that it was giving them. My process was giving them this clarity and this confidence. So I started calling it clarity mapping. And 
it started to change from business strategy stuff to life strategy stuff. And I keep things really simple because I'm not into like counseling or therapy or whatever. And I was just like, let's just keep things moving forward. So that's where the triad came from, like the, uh, the three parts of clarity mapping, which is the mindset piece, the clarity piece and the action piece. So like clarity mapping, the clarity is at the heart of it. And we prime ourselves with mindset work. And then it, none of it is good for anything really, if we don't take action. So like the whole exercise is great. Get your mindset, right. Get some personal clarity, get focused then go do something about it. Right. So that's what I started doing with my clients. And now my work is, it's really interesting. I love working with people. I work with people at all ages and it's, um, I'm getting found when things happen in people's lives. So, uh, any kind of major disruption or shift in, excuse me, the status quo, like, you know, life was going a certain way and then something changed. It could be like a divorce, a job loss, um, you know, all kinds of things happen in people's lives. So we don't have to, but like <laughs> something really big shifts them. It might rock them. They might not feel uh, like they know themselves anymore. And then clarity mapping sounds like something they'd want to experience. Right. So that's how that came about. And the thing that I'm very excited about is that my clients also started hiring me to work with their teenagers. So I started to have this lens on young people's lives. Yes. It was like, young people need this. They need clarity mapping. My son doesn't know what he wants to do with his life or my daughter isn't sure about college. And so there's all these different kinds of things that were coming up. And I thought, what an endorsement, like you love working with me. And then you want me to work with your kid, like with your, you know, that was really like the, the most exciting thing that happened, mm -hmm. um, in my business. And so I'm in the life coaching business, but I'm also in like this, teenager career counseling thing <laughs> where yeah so so shine on is the name of my program and the mindset clarity action the clarity mapping thing is the name of the game with me and it seems to be going into that direction which I never I never saw that coming and it's super fun and yeah so I'm helping people get their clarity and and I like to call it activation I like to get them activated in their lives. Yeah. Um, so and, yeah, that's how that all came about. Yeah. And that's, it's such an important part of the process here at Driven too. Like we always ask you why, like, what's the reason that why now, right? Like everyone right. has it in the back of their mind that, okay, at some point I got to get into a routine. I got to get into a fitness routine, a health routine. I got to learn about nutrition. It's the thing that fuels me. So why, mm -hmm. why now? Mm -hmm. um, because life is always going to happen around you, right? Yes. So you you have to so what is the thing that's triggering you to, to motivate right now and we found similar to you that oftentimes it's a life change it's something that has either a diagnosis or a divorce or a move or something has happened that mm -hmm. has influenced that person to want to commit to themselves a little more so that they can show up to, as the best person of them as the best version of themselves i'm contrasting that to teenagers who haven't been through that they you know go through their own trials and tribulations and if you consider that you know, teenagers are in that weird brain space of their heroes, like they're the hero of their own story. They don't think anyone in the world has gone through what they've gone through. How do you, how are they, how are you received 
in with them? Like when you're introduced, when there is it, how, what challenges do you to come up there? Okay. So, so really, um, it's interesting because a teenage life is, uh, you're forming your identity for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's foreign to you. Like your identity has always been linked to your parents and your lifestyle and whatever's going on, like whatever you're doing, right? Um, and you're very much a doer when you're a child. You're just like experiencing things and doing things. You're not really thinking about things. And that awakening happens into teenage life. And what I'm finding is there's so much insecurity and there's so much doubt and there's a fear of failure. And so they're very vulnerable and very forthcoming. Like I haven't had a young person not be open to the conversation. Like they're very much not wanting to screw up. Right. And a lot of us have that. It's like a fear. um, It's a fear of failure. Um, And there's like a fear also of rejection. So Mm -hmm. for teenagers, it's about being included in things. And I feel like all those themes, they just, they've never left me. They're around me all the time. And I sometimes feel like, oh my gosh, I'm still in high school. Like, you know, I don't know if anybody feels like that, but it's like, oh, this is happening again. It's the same feelings I had from back then. So Um, I relate very strongly with my teenage clients. And then my adult clients are always saying, you know, the first time I encountered that was in high school, this happened and they have a story, right? So it's very much about our building up our confidence. And when I sit with young people, I find myself saying the same thing that I say to any age group. Um, Even some of my very senior, like I've worked with people when they retire, they have a difficulty with transition to retirement and they still have to work on their mindset. They still have these ideas in their mind and they're afraid of failure. And that's what, that's, what's at the heart of it. And I feel like a lot of times, um, if we're going to try for something subconsciously, we may be comfortable with the status quo, because we are not sure of how we would handle if we fail. Right. 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 So, so we have that kind of conversation with young people. I find that it's easier because they don't have the lived history. So they don't go back and have stories from their past. They can't go back and say, Oh, that happened to me in high school. They don't have, like, they don't have any of that reflection. Right. So they're like, Oh, might as well just do it. So they're more like, they're more uh, capable of just taking a chance and having the experience and committing to something and giving it a go. Right. And so I I find myself a lot of times with older people trying to convince them that it's worth the journey. It's worth trying. Right. So if you tune in and you try, you'll be proud of yourself for that. And then the story changes and it's not really about um, like really, really desperately wanting that outcome. It's more like I'm enjoying the process of getting there. Right. So like, I remember when we first met up, we had a little chat and I see Miguel's joining us. Hi, Miguel. Hi, guys. Sorry, I'm late. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. So I'm in the middle of talking about something that actually you and I also discussed. And that was how I have found my way with my health through this consistent inconsistency thing that I do. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I do want to share with everybody that like, like I said, people have these milestone moments that happen in their life that might cause them to feel like, 
okay, I don't know myself, or I don't have a strategy to support myself, I need help, like, we come into groups, and we form community to support each other, right? So for me, the big trigger, when it comes to my health, and my fitness, and my goals for myself, the big thing that happened to me is I was diagnosed with MS six years ago, it'll be six years in the summer. And so when I experienced um, my body failing me, and not doing what I wanted it to do. Um, that was a very, uh, like, I'm still on this emotional journey about that, right? I'm still processing what's happening. And uh, I went through a period of time of not really wanting to do anything. And then I went through a period of time of feeling disempowered, because there isn't a cure for MS, right? So it's just like you're dealt with what you're dealt with, and you're dealing with symptoms that you're dealing with. And there isn't really anybody saying that they can help you with that. Um, and about a year after my diagnosis, I'm like through a series of events, people came into my life and started mentioning books and started mentioning strategies and talking about autoimmune protocols and anti-inflammatory lifestyle, like a diet, not all this type of thing, environmental stuff, what touches my body, fragrances or disruptors, all this type of stuff. I didn't know anything. I wasn't really awake in my life in that way. Um, and that's why like, you know, I really didn't feel good about where I was at. I needed help. I needed to find my way. And I knew, I knew from, from that, like from earlier than that moment, like it's my mindset. I have to get my head around this mm -hmm. and I have to believe, um, I have to, well, I should not believe I had to just decide to take care of myself. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, that was really tricky. I didn't, I didn't know that I didn't feel worthy. There was a whole thing. There's a lot of stuff that happened where I was like, this is just going to happen. It's going to play out how it's going to play out. I have no control. So when I felt that loss of power and I felt really lost in my diagnosis and really like my symptoms were what was bringing me down. I had, I experienced, um, this numbness and heaviness in my legs. And especially my one leg can kind of I cannot feel it, even mm -hmm. though I, I never experienced paralysis. It's a little bit different. Like I can move my, like I can move my limbs. Like I'm moving my arm right now, but imagine that I don't feel the muscle. I don't feel, if you touched my leg, I don't feel it. It's like yeah. that, right? So it's like this loss of sensation, but I can still have full mobility. And so I got really present to, oh my gosh, like I need to really simplify this and get really clear on how I'm going to take care of myself and how am I going to be uh have the highest quality of life possible for myself because I have young children they're teenagers now um but what six years ago they would have been seven and nine like it was really scary for me and that's fine I went through that but I found okay simplified so I simplified what my prior priorities are when it comes to my health. And I think I shared this with you. And you said, I said um, that it's my nourished. I want to be nourished. I want to be strong and I want to be happy. Okay. And so <laughs> nourished was interesting because I thought I knew how to eat. Like I really did. Like, and I would probably argue with you even now, like I know how to eat. No, no, no. I am learning things about nutrition all the time. And I want to share a couple of things about nutrition that really work for me. Um, so I'll circle back to that. And then, um, but I just want to touch on each one. So then strong, I was like, I 
am literally losing the control, like the, the, the confidence in my legs. So the confidence to stand and the confidence to walk and the confidence to know that if I wanted to run, I can coordinate that movement mm-hmm. without the feeling, without being able to feel one of my legs, which is really kind of actually very interesting. I think it was like a, it makes me very much more present to my body and its power and how strong right. I am. Like I actually am very strong and I didn't know that. <laughs> so there's things that I did. I go to the gym and I can do like, you know, like a 200 pound leg press and it doesn't even hurt. And I can just do that. <laughs> and like, you know, so I'm like, oh, I'm really, I'm really strong in my legs, even though I can't feel one of them. So, you know, so the strength piece with lifting weights and stuff like that, I was like, okay, that's gotta be part of my life. And then happy was all about like, every time I got stressed, symptoms would flare up mm-hmm. and there's a correlation. And I was like talking to my neurologist. My neurologist is like, most people can't really manage their stress. So they need, um, uh, what do they call them? DMTs, disease modifying therapies. They no longer call them drugs. They call them DMTs, <laughs> disease modifying therapies. And so I don't take DMTs. I'm trying to do the modification on my own Mm -hmm. so happy is about keeping the stress low so um and in that in that arena in that third chunk there I'll tell myself all the time if I'm not having fun I'm doing it wrong Mm -hmm. like if it's if whatever I'm doing if I'm not having fun I'm not doing it the right way so um being nourished, I've learned so many things and I, and I bring the fun into the nourish. I have to play with my recipes and figure it out. The biggest thing that I've learned, and I just learned this in January, is that there is a difference from plant-based protein and animal-based protein. I, for me, there's a very clear distinction and, pri- and the priority on protein. I didn't know. I wasn't doing this. What I've learned is called protein leverage. And now I am. And my body is different. And I've released about 13 pounds since January. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like plateaued right now. I've I've been sick every single month this year. So if I've had a cold or a flu or some version of that every single month, but I'm getting better. And I've still been feeling good. And I believe it's because I'm getting 80 to 100, probably over 100 grams of protein a day. Mm-hmm. And my first meal of the day is no longer something with carbs at all. It is something, well, carbs as in vegetables. I eat savory breakfasts, which is with meat and, and vegetables. That has been a complete game changer in my life. Like I get this higher level of protein. I can sustain exercise longer. I can go for my walks and I I'm shooting for this goal of 10,000 steps a day. I'm only at about five to seven. I don't have the energy for more. I get very, very fatigued if I push too hard. So five to 7,000 a day. And I know that it's the protein because I never had that energy before. I couldn't even hit four or 5,000 steps a day before on my tracker. So those small incremental changes and the scale changing and me feeling stronger. I was like, okay, this is really, that's like just one example of something I've learned. That's really changed. Yeah. Happening. Um, I wanted to ask you because, mm-hmm. you know, when we, when we talk about resiliency, it, you know, that's not, that's not a trait that is abundant in, in today's 
you know, uh, society. Right. And, um, and that's okay. We all have challenges to overcome. We, you know, we can all make a case for how difficult our life is. Everybody, sure. everybody oh, that's yeah. alive can do that, right? Absolutely. So, so uh, really, to you, what what was the thought process? How did you navigate? How how come you didn't say, well, I can't even feel my leg? Are you kidding me? Well, I did that. Here's a I perfect excuse to not do anything because I can't even feel my leg. Hello? I did that. I did that for a year, Miguel. I okay. did. And, and what got you out? I call, I, I have nicknamed it the hamster wheel of suffering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask I, you about that. I realized <laughs> that. I nicknamed it that I realized that I had put myself. Um, so, okay. Like I like exactly how you said it. It's like a checked out excuse making thing when you're like, well, I can't even uh, like my leg. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. You know, anybody could use that as an excuse. That's true. I think I was afraid. I think that you're afraid when you're making excuses. And I think you have to be cool with the fact that you're going to be making excuses and being afraid. Mm -hmm. I think we have to be afraid and do it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's a part of it. Like, don't expect it to feel good. I don't wake up feeling like this. I have created so many supports around me in my life that are as basic as like the screensaver on my phone mm -hmm. <laughs> to like something I have up on my mirror where I brush my teeth right. to like what's at my desk here with stickers on the bottom of my screen here there are things there are affirmations there's focus things um nourished strong and happy didn't just happen like I didn't want to be like nourished, strong and low stress. I was like, that's not even fun. It's got to be <laughs> like, you know, like I've been working on this for years, but you know, I, what did it for me if I had to say was it's a combination of a few things, probably faith. I'm a faithful person and I love spiritual things and I love prayer and meditation. So I love to calm my nervous system that way. And, um, Another part of it is that I'm a mom and I have kids and I feel like, what would I want for them? What kind of role model do I want to be mm -hmm. if my son or my daughter had MS and they were experiencing what I'm experiencing? Would I just let them say, well, I can't feel my legs, so I can't do anything, you know, mm -hmm. like, and it's like, so I'm trying to be a good role model to my kids and, um, so I'm very honest with them when I'm having a bad day and I'm very, you know, like, tell me something good or something. And the kids will just be like, it's pointless to be wasting your time feeling bad. They're like that. Right. Cause I've taught them to be like that. It's a choice. I know it starts in the mind. Yeah. So taming your mind, getting a handle on the narrative, the story you're telling yourself. I know in 2017, I was diagnosed. I know it was a shock. I was upset. It took a year. I was in the summertime of 2018 and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm in the same place I was in last year. I'm no better off. Mm -hmm. I'm actually worse. I was a few pounds heavier than I had been. And the summer, the heat was still killing me. That's how I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed with uh, the heat aspect of MS. Like if you know anybody, they, they probably are affected by being too hot. They can't go in saunas and stuff like that. I get extremely disoriented. Like I'll, I'll not know where I am. 
And that's what happened to me. It was super hot and I didn't know where I was. So then the following summer, I was like, not healthy, not walking all the time, not able to handle the heat. And I was like, this is no way to live. And I'm going to be here again. And again, there is nothing changing until I change my mind. I have to change my mind. I have to take my power back. I have to do everything I can. And as soon as I started to think like that, people came into my world that started supporting me. And they're like, read this book. This doctor healed herself. Mm -hmm. Like there's a doctor, Dr. Walls. She used to be in a wheelchair. She had progressive MS. She's running, riding, what is she doing? She's doing like triathlons and stuff. Now she rides her bike everywhere. And she's completely out of a wheelchair where she was in, she was wheelchair bound for years, I think two years, something like that. It's unbelievable what people can do. Right. And I realized it, it's not until you put your mind to it. And when you put your mind to it, you have to feel worthy. You have to believe like, you know, um, you have to be kind to yourself. I wasn't very nice to myself when it first all happened. I felt very lost and I felt really disempowered and I didn't know where to get my footing, how to get like, get my feet back underneath me, like the strong foundation. And so my strong foundation was what I had been always coaching with this, you know, mindset, clarity, action. So the clarity piece for me, when it came to my physical health was the nourish, strong, happy thing. Like I needed something simple. So did I eat well today? Did I move? Did I keep it low stress? Am I ruminating on anything? Is my mind like nattering away at something like journal it out, get it out of your brain. Like mm-hmm. you know, got to manage those emotions and got to feel positive. I got to get myself to a positive state. And so it's a constant practice and some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. I'm always trying things kind of fun when I make it a game like that like it's do you know what I mean I think I'm making it a game is what it sounds like to me when I'm telling you what I'm doing which falls totally in line with your happy component because happy it means fun I don't I don't know that they they're mutually exclusive I think they go together right yeah I, I can't be low stress and um be miserable it just doesn't work that way I'm usually happy when I'm low stress right like it's it's good times like whatever whatever it has to be I have playlists some of them are named weird things, but it's just like, if I'm in this funk and I'm in this energy of this, like, you know, nothing's working out stuff or like catastrophizing, which I like my, I will catch myself that my mind is going in that direction. It's like, okay, the faster, like, cause I know it's my mind. It always starts with the mind. And the second I can change the energy in my mind, like get a playlist, get some music going, do something, go for a walk, get outside in nature, mm-hmm. shift the energy. And then I feel like it's, it's awesome. It can. I'm so happy you brought that up. It's like literally one of the last questions I had for you and you just gone through the list. It was when you're in a mood, what's the one thing hands down that gets you back on track. So would you say for me, for me, it would be go outside, go outside. It's as easy. Like, it's not that comp. It's not like a thing like where, oh, it's a walk and it's a workout or it's a, it is literally move your physical, like get your butt outside, go sit Mm -hmm. on the grass, go walk through somewhere, go like, I'll go off on my deck, off my kitchen and just stand. And I have a forest in my backyard. So I get to just stare at trees and I see the birds and I'll just watch the squirrels do stuff. And eventually I get to a place where I'm like, okay, go do something. Yeah, that's one of the things that you touched on in our call together that I thought was so important to share with everyone is that you have this, the triad, right, which is nourished, strong and happy. But mm-hmm. in that strength, um, 
I liked that you had mentioned that you just do anything, like any type of movement. You don't tie yourself to what movement should be expected of you or it should look like, but you feel accomplished if you've just gotten up and done any kind of movement. Can you touch on that a little bit? Because I think people like to get wrapped up in in what kind of movement is prescribed to them, especially by their coach. And then they feel totally like flattened or or obliterated when they don't meet that standard, when in reality, the standard is just movement, right? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so there's lots of things I could say. My mind is going everywhere, but something's calling. I'm I'm just thinking of my bathroom, my ensuite. This is so funny. Since the new year, like since I started with this protein leverage thing, like eating protein first, I have started to feel stronger. It is transforming me in some way. It's like little micro changes, but I'm feeling it. So I don't like going to the gym. And I was like, I'm not doing any resistance. Like I like doing calisthenic exercises, like the push-ups and the squats and like using my own body weight. Cause like, it's just quick and I feel good pretty quick. Right. So I went and put, I've took out all the stuff under my sink on my side of our vanity in the bathroom. And I have a yoga mat rolled up in there. I have little hand weights. I have these things that you hold when you want to do push-ups, and I have a kettlebell. And it's so, so silly. If you open up someone's bathroom cabinet, that's my that's what's under my bathroom cabinet. And before I go in the shower, most days, it's imperfect. I'm telling you, I don't do this every single time. Sometimes I just want to take a shower, so I don't make it a monster, you know. But I'm like, I'm not allowed to take a shower until I swing the kettlebell, do some push-ups, bang out some sit-ups, stretch it out on my yoga mat, and then I can take a shower. So I can't have the excuse of, oh, I'm sweaty and all this type of thing. It's not a lot of exercise. It's not going to really break a sweat, but I feel good. All my joints and I'm moving and there's weight and it feels good. And that's how I jump in the shower most days. That's brilliant. I think that, out 25 pound kettlebell, like I'm up to 50 at a time, something like that, 40, 50. I think that flexibility in, in our mindset is, is, it's almost like a superpower. I see a lot of people that are, you know, very smart, very, you know, for lack of a better term, successful with what they have going on in their career or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, almost what has gotten them there is their ability to just like focus, put their head down and get it done. But then yes. that becomes almost like a like a detriment because then if they have five boxes to check and one yes. day they can only check three, they feel like what's the point, you know? And, and yeah, so, so I would love for one very um, specific example is we have a client that started two weeks ago. Okay. Um, she's been really busy. She's traveling. She's in conventions. Blah blah. She manages a lot of companies. Anyways, she is down ten pounds in two weeks. 10 pounds, but she's been able to check two out of five boxes. I'm ecstatic because she's down 10 pounds anyways, right? That's amazing. Like, I'm like, that's amazing. But the 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 internal self-talk is, I don't know if this is the right time because like, look how I can't be all in. So I know what I would say and I know what I what I did say, but but I know that some of your work has also been with uh, with teenagers. Yeah. Right. 
And I almost, you know, I give, I have a teenage son, so I give my teenage son a little bit more grace than I give myself because I'm a grown ass man. So, <laughs> so how would you teach that to our teenagers or our children? So yeah, we have to embrace it. Like, okay. So there's a few things that I say. There's one thing that I argue with people all the time. I'll get into a snit with them on purpose. Like I pick a fight. I'm like, are you a computer? Are you meant to operate like a clock? Like, you know, like you're not, you're a human, you're dynamic. You're, there's so much going on. The, the idea that checking all those boxes would make you whole and good and accomplished in some way. It's just, it's kind of absurd, right? Like, are you a robot? That's what I ask people. <laughs> and the teenagers get it a lot quicker than uh, the grownups. But it's like, there's this perfectionism, right? And right. I'm like, you're not a robot. And like, even like computers get it wrong. Sometimes like you, you're not meant to operate that way. You yeah. know, like for women, we have an infradian rhythm. You know, I don't work out the same way when I'm menstruating. Sorry, it ain't going to happen. That level of energy, that is not where I'm at. And I'm being kind and gentle with myself. And I go do some yoga and I walk. I do not think I have ever swung a kettlebell in that time. But a week later, I'm all like, wow, let's do this. You know, And I want to see how strong I am. And I get back into the weightlifting thing. And that's very much a different kind of energy. So I have a different rhythm and a different grace to it. And it's not a daily, it's not the 24 hour clock that I follow. I kind of follow generally week to week. Have I been moving week Mm -hmm. to week? What are my habits with my nutrition? What like, and I have a kind of two, two kinds of nourished strategies. Like my Monday to Friday is a lock. Like I eat really clean, really well, get my meals in lots of protein, lots of vegetables, really no deviation. It's that social life stuff and the weekends where I need to like double down and get myself focused. So I look at things like that in patterns. And I think that we could free ourselves and give us ourselves, cut ourselves some slack, give ourselves some grace. If we look at the patterns in our lives and create supports uh, for ourselves in the moment. And then there's this thing that I do and it works with everybody. It's just like, did you do the best that you could with what mm. you like? What, did you the, do the problem? The problem did you do is, your best? yeah. Oh, the, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, oh, you no, know, the, the challenge is that some people, the okay. ones that struggle the most with that imperfection are always like, no, no, I didn't. I should have done way better. This isn't, this is like, this, I'm a joke. This is a joke. They'll never <laughs> see the best. Right. So, so to that, to that, I, I redefine what's my best. I, I, I really, I, I know that I went, I was there in that place when Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing anything about my diagnosis, not really taking care of myself. I knew that I couldn't do it. Perfect. That was the thing that I was confronted with. I wasn't going to be able to be consistent 
every single day. And was that going to make me a failure? And I had to wrestle with that demon. Like it was awful. And I felt like a failure. And I felt like I was letting my family down. I felt like, oh my gosh, look at how unwell I am. Look at how I can't keep up. Like, I do not want to go to the beach. It's too hot out. Like I'm not feeling good. All this type of thing. And I'm like, wow, I'm such a, you know, um, no, I, I really, yeah, there's some healing that needed to happen there. There really, there really was. And it's making me think of like, I printed off your booklet, but I think this is, is this your freebie? Uh, like it was something you sent me uh, or a link yeah, that I, I think it's one of a few. Yeah. So I worked through the book and I, I remember that I wrote to myself that I'm scared that even if I do all this stuff, mm. um, it's not going to make a difference. Mm. And I think that when people can't, when you, when you're going to make it about perfectionism or like being good enough, um, it's a fear thing. You're really, you're really actually not trying authentically, really. You're not letting yourself be yourself. Like you're not free. You've put yourself in this kind of prison of, like, it really is like, it looks like something that you can't achieve. Mm-hmm. you know and that's I think what I've changed in my narrative with myself is like yeah it's never going to look perfect like I'm so over that there isn't going to be the box checking it's yeah. more like what does it look like for me you know and and it's a daily conversation and, and I'm it's I'm hoping for an empowered conversation mm-hmm. and so it's like there are times when I look in the fridge and I didn't have a plan and I'm, I don't have the certain things I need to support myself. And I'm like, Hey, what am I going to do about this? And it's like, well, today, the best I got is this, this, and that thing out of the pantry. And I'm going to figure it out. And then got to get back on track, get my plan going, get my strategy working. And I don't, I don't want it to be, um, I don't want it to be a monster. Like, don't be mean to yourself. Yeah. You know, like, you touched on something really important when what we're chasing is this idea of perfect. Mm-hmm. We can choose to go a little bit deeper. Why do we feel that that we need to earn a certain degree of consistency or success or achievement or whatever in order to be worthy? Why? And we can, I think the, the challenge is is in the going deeper, right? Because many times we won't, we're not prepared to question our own beliefs and our own patterns and our own, you know, we're, we're just like, well, this is the way I am. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? And the challenging thing is that it's worked. It's worked so far, right? It's, it's yeah. become a, a, a winning strategy. You know, that's why it's gotten us to where, to where it's gotten us. The, the challenge yeah. is that, Okay, so so if you want to occupy a really, if you want to be successful in your career and you you know you you make really good money and you manage blah blah and you're respected and what have you, that comes at the cost, or so far it's come at the cost of your own well being because you're a little bit mm-hmm. unbalanced for lack of a better word. Right. Uh, a strategy gets put in front of you, a path where even if you're not perfect. You can bring yourself a little more into balance, but it reminds you, well, I'm not doing everything I could possibly be doing. Yeah. And that's what, that's the, that's the, the, the battle. That's what we can get into a wrestling match with, 
Right. So that's 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 um, signaling to me that kind of thinking would be um, we need to look at being good enough. We need to mm -hmm. feel like I'm good enough. I had to come to a place where I said that those words. I have that on my mirror in my bathroom, um, and I have to say, I am good enough. Mm -hmm. I, and then that usually takes me in a conversation of worthiness. Mm -hmm. And what my goal really is, um, isn't about checked boxes. It's about a quality of life and being there for my family, being active and strong and being able to keep up and have fun and, and do all the things. And so I want to do the things that even when I get there, like, let's say that I feel really strong. Let's say that I do shed the weight that I, I have put on. Um, what am I at? Like, I probably have another 20 pounds to go and I'd be super happy. Mm. Um, and that's, that's since the diagnosis, there's like a, a serious issue with mobility for me. So being active is a challenge, right? So I, I accept that, that I'm imperfect. It's not going to be good. I'm going to have to manage my energy every day and look at it the way I'm going to understand myself. Like I'm learning all these things. It's a process, but I think at some point I realized like, okay, I want to have fun with this. I want it to be cool. Like I want my children to see me being a certain way and that it's possible. I wanted to like role model what's possible for them and how you empower yourself uh, is really important to me. And so when I told myself I'm good enough and I'm worthy, I think I decided on defining that for myself. And I, I was journaling those things. I know I was, and I know that's how nurse strong and happy came up. And mm -hmm. I know that like stress became enemy number one. And like, so the happy piece was really critical. And so I now have like, I think I spend time visualizing that today was a great day. Like the way I approach my days is awesome. Like it's a big fat checkbox. Like it's like awesome. <laughs> it's completely imperfect, but I'm doing the strategies. I'm working the things I'm focused. I'm doing my best and that's it. I don't make it any more complicated than that. And I can say that I didn't check out. Yeah. You know, what has been very helpful. So I, at one point, a few years ago, I finally it took me time, but I finally got to a place mentally where I full heartedly believed that I that I deserved everything. And, mm -hmm. and I got there because my coach basically like forced me to to look at the facts on paper. You know, mm -hmm. it was like, look at it, basically. And, uh, and I was like, OK, wait a minute. Um, I work really hard. I am very smart. I am empathetic. I can communicate properly. I am good at this. I'm good at that. I'm good. at. So then eventually I was like, hmm, you're right. Why wouldn't I be deserving of, of good things, right? I treat yes. people with respect. So why would I not be worthy of respect, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then that led me to be like, you know what? Most people, so the the vast majority of people are not in a great place you know they they their one area of life is 
suffering significantly, at least, right? Most yeah. people, so if you're not um, broke and, and, and barely being able to make ends meet, mm-hmm. you, you might have lots of money and be okay there, but maybe your relationships are, are absolutely destroyed. Your kids don't feel like they matter to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So and I was like, man, we live in a world where what's considered normal is something very far away from what I want. Mm-hmm. So I, then I arrived to, okay, I want to be in really good shape and I want to have really good relationships with, with my, with my family, with my, with my son, with my daughter. I want to feel like I'm making an impact in the world. I want to have a great marriage and I want to make lots of money. Awesome. Like I want everything. Mm-hmm. And so that then allowed me to be like, okay, I am asking for, I'm asking for a lot. I'm asking for something that is very uncommon. Therefore, my approach to life has to be very uncommon as well. Otherwise, right. I, I just don't deserve it. Like right. in, in the doing, it's the, this is how I saw it for myself. I got to, I got to show myself that I deserve it. I want to become yeah. the version of me that deserves all of those things. And that's a, that's a daily thing, right? I don't get yeah. to do it once and then be like there, you know? Right. Yeah. I, so I have that, a follow-up question yeah. to both of you, because one of my, one of my questions was what was your turning point? So I feel like Miguel, you just identified that, that you had that turning point. And Lucy, I think you identified that that turning point was when you realized that your way of thinking wasn't going to get you better and it wasn't going to get you any more, any closer to your family. So um, when did you both, because you're both talking about it, but when did you when realize in that turning point that the actions that you were performing were not aligned with what you deserved? And did you feel that the level of action or the, yeah, like the standard of action that you were doing was what you deserved in like a negative way? Um, Like, did you, like, was was there a time that you said that you realized, oh, there are certain actions that I'm taking that maybe I'm taking as a self sabotage method? And those need to change for X, Y, Z that Miguel just said, like to have a better family, to have this, to have all the things that I'm asking for. Right. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll answer it this way. The thing that was coming up for me, Miguel, when you were sharing what happened, how you decided on those things uh, years ago, I, I started following, um, I can't remember. It was some sort of an account, like a motivational account on Instagram. And um Victor Frankl's um, Man's Search for Meaning came up, that book. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a Holocaust survivor. He wrote this book. It's absolutely a life-changing message. Mm -hmm. Um, And it taught me that we human beings are meaning-making machines. That's what our brain does. We make meaning. And never in the history of humanity have so many people been so idle in their minds okay like more so than when he wrote the book even like we are so freed up we are not working the land and like we are idle a lot of the time now and so we're with our thoughts a lot and we are powerful we don't even know our own power and what's beautiful is like we have the capacity and the freedom 
to just decide to define what our life means to us. You, you, Miguel, decided what, what meaning you were going to bring to your life. What does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to be a good person, a good dad, a good husband, like a good uh, community member in terms of showing up and impacting your tribe around you? And I say that it's the name of your group, but I would have said that word anyway, because we're tribal beings, we're community oriented beings, and have been for millions of years, never mind this last century, where all this technology and all this connection came into place. But we're meaning making machines. So you're free to create your own meaning. So you can create your own hell, or you can create your own paradise, like you're really just it's one of these things where you just choose which one you want to create and focus yes. on that because it's so critical. And that's why in my work and shine on in the method and it's mindset, clarity, action mindset, like you've got to get into that healthier state of mind. And like, you got to process and heal some stuff to deserve, to be worthy and deserving and, and, and feel like, Hey, you know what? You're doing great things. And yeah, you get to enjoy yourself. You get to have the fruit of that labor, right? Um, clarity is that meaning making. We all, everybody needs to have a solid why. And it can't be just towards a goal. Like, I really don't like this. Like, um, if I get, if I weigh this much on the scale, um, I'm going to be worthy. Right. Like a certain number or something like that, or certain inches or whatever. It's like, that's something that I wrestled with too. When I said to myself, I want to be nourished, strong, and happy. Well, not to a goal that then I drop it. Right. Like mm -hmm. I need to nourish myself daily till the day I die. I want to be strong till the day I die. These habits, this thing under the sink with the weights and the swinging the kettlebell or doing push-ups or whatever I'm doing, moving my body and being strong I think I want to be doing that when I'm 80 and 90 years old and I still want to be doing weights and being strong and going for walks. And so I want a quality of life. So I'm defining that for myself, but it's an active thing. I'm practicing. I'm figuring out what I like. Like some days, all I do is go for a walk. Other days I'm lifting weights and I might like put on a playlist and dance. I mean, like, it's just all over the place. I do things that I like. I want it to be fun. That's what brings meaning into my life. I feel free that way. Mm -hmm. And it's not about anything else than today. Like it really isn't. I could care less about a box that I check. Mm -hmm. I just run it through my head. Sometimes I'm a little bit more particular, like I'm learning macros. So I'm learning what does six or seven ounces of protein look like learning those things. So yes, I have some things written down. I have goals. I check these little things, but I don't make that, that I was successful. That's not a quality of life. You know, yeah. like I want to, I want to live, like I want to really live. So yeah. I really want to enjoy it. I'm not like delaying being happy uh, because I'm not worthy. I'm worthy today. Yeah. 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 Um you know, for me, Anissa, for me, what, I, what I've what i figured out about, so what I think has empowered me a lot is to become very much aware of the things about myself that I don't like. Right. To be, to, to pay a lot of, I, I spent time like trying to really figure them out, like put them down on paper. And, um, and then there were some things in there that I was like, uh, yeah, I'd like to change that. And then there were a couple things in there that I was like, you know what, actually, I'm okay with that one. Like, like, the, the, I like that I have a bit of a chip on the shoulder. And I, yeah, you know what, that's very useful. 
I'm going to use it. And, um, and so what that allowed me to do was to get out there and be unapologetic about my goals and be, and, and defending my, my point of views and what have you without fearing being misconstrued or judged or like, whoa, Miguel is this, Miguel is that. Because I was like, listen, I, like, I know where I know the things about myself that that um, that are not awesome. I know them really well. So Using if, if somebody tells me, wow, Miguel, you're the best. I'm like, mm. <laughs> you know, you don't like, let your ego get out. <laughs> I, yeah, I know all of these things. At the same time, if somebody tells me, wow, you're the worst. I'm like, mm. well, I also know about <laughs> my qualities. So so those things really empowered me it, it was almost like a shield that gave me permission to go out there and 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 say what I wanted to say despite you know in general um weight loss has is like you know now a hated term right so so this has given there's a lot of people that um you know that if you if you say that losing weight is probably good for your longevity that's it you're toxic you you you're fat phobic, you're blah, 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 right? So so oh. I had to get very clear about me, who I stood, uh, what I stood for and, and, and why, so that I could continue to go out there and be like, yeah, you probably are not going to live that long if you're 50 pounds overweight. Like, that's not me judging the worthiness. Just statistical fact. You know, exactly. Right. Um, and then what I realized is that I just love the climb. Like, I... Yeah find meaning i assign meaning to the climb and and i think that you know i can look at many different areas of my life to find fuel to fuel that that climb up um i can look at my children and the example that i want to set for them i can look at my parents and how i want to take care of them i can look at you know, our community here and the, the changes that we that we want to facilitate for them and then their children, like, you know what I mean? So I feel like there's a lot of fuel there. Now, your question earlier was, did that help you identify actions that you yourself were not taking or taking that were keeping you? And yes, I feel that that is a forever thing. We will always be the reason why we are not where we wish we were in every area of life, in your relationships, in your financial well-being, in your, you know, career, whatever. It's always something that we're either doing, doing wrong, or not doing that we should be doing, or we're not doing consistently enough, etc. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that the more I go, hmm, there's, there's a lesson in here that I need to figure out. Mm -hmm. That is the climb. Mm -hmm. it's almost like a climb but it's actually going internally going deeper instead of just climbing a random mountain out there you know yeah. and the more I learn those lessons the more I go oh okay so so for example if I know that one of the things that would help me be a more present father is blocking half of Sunday off so that I'm not working mm -hmm. why do I not do it well, because what if somebody needs me? What if one of our clients needs me? What if what if somebody wants to book a call? Why do I feel, why is that? Why is it scary to miss out on that? Like what's going on there? So the more I try to figure out those lessons, the more, the better I get to know 
myself. Mm -hmm. And that feels really good. Yeah. I, I like what you're saying there because you're figuring it out and in the state of figuring it out is the joy. Like it's mm -hmm. the climb, it's the, mm -hmm. it's that whole thing. Like, um, I'll tell you, like for me, I, like I'm saying, I have these 20 pounds that I'd like, I'd like gone. This is not a vanity thing. Mm -hmm. This is, um, this is impacting my, uh, my quality of life. I don't feel good right. with these extra 20 pounds. And I feel like, um, I'm not shaming myself. Yeah. It's what happened. It's what comes along with, um, people that have like, for me, for MS, it's like, it, it's actually like, I'm, I didn't gain as much weight as some people do. Mm -hmm. and, the, those people, especially if they're on those uh, therapies, the drug therapies, they're um, the likelihood that they'll put on significant pounds, like more than 30 or 40 or 50 pounds is, is very likely. So I sit there and I look at the scale and I see the culture and the message out there. And it's kind of trying to say that it's, yeah, you're okay. You decide that you're okay. You're a meaning making machine, make your own meaning. Right. You decide what number on the scale is okay with you. If you want to measure it that way, but how do you feel in your clothes? How do you feel in your skin? I do not feel good right now. And people will tell me, I look so good. This and that all my friends, everybody's so loving and kind and wonderful. And I know that Anissa and I, we talked about this is one of the things socially with people people want me to um like for example I have been now sober for over a year since January mm -hmm. and it's as a result initially of having COVID <laughs> I mm -hmm. just stopped drinking um when I got COVID and then it took a long time for me to even feel better it was almost two months and then I kind of had lost interest and never really picked it up. And it's now been over a year and I don't drink anymore and I'm sober and I'm really enjoying being sober. And it was kind of unintentional. I didn't intentionally set out to do this. Right. So a lot of my friends between the, the fact that I'm watching what I'm eating. So this thing about inflammation, I don't eat gluten and I don't eat dairy mm -hmm. and I feel a lot better. Mm -hmm. and and I really enjoy how good I feel so it's part of my lifestyle it's part of me that those are not things that I participate in and now the alcohol my friends are like any like think of anything that comes out snack wise in group settings charcuterie boards blah 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 all these cheeses will come out or whatever and they're like how are you skipping this bread or this crackers or whatever and I'm like I got my own thing going on over here I'm so happy and I, I just be like that's great that's I more tell for me I, I love being with them I love I love yeah. we're having so much fun yeah. and like please don't make it about me not having a glass of wine I know yeah. it's weird for you because that people have always just known me as a person that participates in having wine right so I have to tell people how it's going to be and I have to be really strong in that. And it's very difficult socially. And I want to acknowledge that because people have told me, you're not overweight. How can you think you're, I am overweight. Like, stop it. 
I'm not where I would be really feeling great. If I try to exercise, my stamina is not there. Uh, my weight is slowing me down. There's no question. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I have to tell people, please don't, don't perpetuate this narrative that it's okay. It's not okay with me. It's my own body. So like, I want to be stronger, leaner and lighter. It makes me yeah. feel good when I go and participate in bike rides, I can keep up, you mm -hmm. know, like all the, all these little things that yeah. I'm trying to what I've found is that it's usually a projection of the other person. And it's pretty effective if you just ask them if they feel that way about themselves. Well, they're trying to, they think it's a compliment. People are like, you look so good. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, no, look at these cheeks. <laughs> this is not my face. I feel so like, anyway, you know, that's not even a vanity thing. It's like, I have this extra weight and I'm working on releasing it and letting it go and being stronger and all these things. And it's part of my quality of life calculation, if you will. And, and that's what it is to me. But uh, yeah, that, that's, think, that's out there. That's, I don't even think there's anything wrong with, with, with vanity. Me neither. I want to look <laughs> good. Know? Of I'm course. Like, I'm like, great, go for it. Like, yeah, you know, I know, fact, right. But, but, but you're right. And so you touch on something important. Unfortunately, most people out there do abuse something, entertainment, right. food, alcohol, sweets, you name it. Right. Because that's easier than addressing our problems or or that addressing the cause, the root cause of our of our challenges and our stressors. Mm -hmm. That is normal. That's that's what normal is, unfortunately. And and it, I think that just human nature, if if you all of a sudden are like, I got a lot of work to do. And and to them, they look at you and they're like, oh, man. She's doing pretty well. Mm. And you are saying, I got a lot of work to do on me. Yeah. Where does that put them? Right. And so this is, I think that's just, that's just subconscious human that, that will I make just... us be like, well, I can't afford to let you believe that there's work to be done with you. Cause if that's true, then what does that mean about me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are people that's that are certain. uncomfortable, um, with me being around when I'm not drinking and everybody else is. And it's like, oh, everybody needs to be drunk for you. To, and I noticed yeah. some people don't relax unless like, you know what I'm saying? So it's a, mm. it's a very interesting thing. And I just want to make sure that I say, I really love this book. I went through this book and I had a breakthrough in it. And I just want to make sure that I tell you that and it's right in the middle of it. Um, and I wrote to myself and I feel like it's appropriate because I just flipped it open right now. It's right in the middle, but I, it was this thing that changed for me. And it's about my identity mm -hmm. and you talk about identity in this booklet. So I think if anybody has it or hasn't done it, they should, because somewhere through the process, I got into this state and I was like, wait a second, I want to be, I wrote this to myself here. I wrote, I want to be a person that is connected and proud of her body connected to her body and proud of her body. I want to take care of it and always be strong and moving. And then I wrote to myself, because there's something, there's a question on that page. And I wrote, I'm scared that if I try to achieve this goal and it doesn't happen, even if I really, really, really try and I don't get there, what will I do? And it, I realized that like, there is a subconscious narrative always happening and people if they want to get the breakthrough for themselves where they free themselves really, and it's all just about the day and making the day really great, 
they have to get that subconsciously they have to work on believing that they're worthy and that they deserve that right so what came through for me was like I wrote to myself that this kind of thinking makes no sense so like if I failed at trying right thing like the the whole dynamic that's going on in my head that it makes no sense um and I wrote to myself I've done it before I've been there I just want to find it again and learn to maintain it so I the only way to find it again is to enjoy the journey mm -hmm. and that this logic for whatever reason the way I wrote it out to myself really makes sense to me and helps yeah. me and I like looking at it and it's like yeah I am giving it my all yeah and every day I'm getting better at giving it my all and I'm proud of myself because I'm not on my hamster wheel of suffering anymore the right. hamster wheel did I explain that it was just that oh my gosh here I am again no further along not any better yeah not committed making it like it doesn't matter to me like even the vanity thing yeah it matters to me I have some really nice clothes that I want to fit into <laughs> I love those clothes like I like you know so anyway it's like that it's like those it's determining the the spot the stop on your hamster wheel and where where you want to get off just get off the suffering drop the chain like just break free and make it something livable make it something that you can take action on every day that you enjoy mm -hmm. like the meals on your plate should be pretty and taste good they should i'm just i'm putting my foot down they shouldn't be yucky looking like boiled broccoli and boiled chicken like you can't eat like that all the time you know yeah. so yeah. i don't know i'm just saying that that's where i'm coming from with that and it's like um you were talking about resilience and i find like my resilience my my commitment to myself uh it all it all just starts and ends with my my mindset mm. and um taking control of it i'm not just going to wake up feeling good and feeling motivated and feeling focused and mm -hmm. i i have come to terms with that it's not just gonna magically no and in fact you're it's better for us if we assume that we won't be motivated exactly. that we won't feel like it that 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 our body that we that the bed will be you know it'll feel amazing and you won't want to leave the bed you know and right yeah it feels that, great it feels great to get outside it feels great when i have plans uh, and stuffs in the fridge that i know i can go reach for and it's a practice habit forming daily kind of commitment thing i'm role modeling for my kids my kids are like oh like you know i'm checked in i'm in action i'm, I'm like like i call it being activated in my life i'm activating myself mindset clarity action that's it i keep it real simple and um yeah i feel like uh i feel like anything else didn't work for me like <laughs> your secret sauce basically the 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 moral of the story is that everyone needs to find their secret sauce and with the yeah. work you do you help with you know breaking down the elements of it but it's not going to look the same for everybody um but right. once you find that secret sauce that's what i talk to mm -hmm. my guys, mm -hmm. being italian but formula whatever <laughs> um yeah. that secret sauce like once you find it 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 will look strange to others people will judge it but if it works for you that is the basis of consistency even if it looks totally inconsistent to another person yes
and, and that you're always experimenting. I like letting like the magic happen. I like, oh, meeting new people and being in community with people and like, who's going to bring something up, being open to learning, you know, mm -hmm. pick up a book or listen to a podcast or, you know, when you go on a walk, like try something different, do a walking meditation instead of your usual whatever and like, just play with it. Well, that's good because one of the, one of the last questions I wanted to end on was what book, if any, changed your life? Oh, we have a list. so many. The one that started it all. Like if you can think of the one that started it all. The one that started it all. Everyone has that book, no? That one where you're just like, oh, I'm garbage. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> no? Um, <laughs> oh, I'm it. looking at my shelf, but when you said the one that started it all, you made me think of when I was a young person going through, and you brought me back to a religious experience that I had when I was going through to have confirmation. I'm a Catholic and I was 13, I think. So it was the Bible. If you're going to ask me about it. I had a moment where we were figuring out, you know, like what kind of life we wanted to have and that we wanted like confirmations about that whole like uh affirming your faith and all this type of thing and i remember being with the bible and being like oh, okay i don't remember what the verse was i opened it to something random but it made me feel so good about myself like that you know i want to be a good person something to that effect and i was like how the heck did that just land on that i think it was like psalms or something like that i was reading it and i'm like that's kind of exactly what i was thinking about and i wanted to know like so anyway, so that happened, but uh, like, as far as like, there's so many books. Um, if you had to pick one and Miguel, I want to hear yours. Okay. So it comes down to two. I have to say two, because there's one book that I have been reading um, every couple of years since I was in university. And that was, um, that's Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. And Grow Rich. Okay. I've had that book since I was 19 or 20 and every couple of years I will read it and it just yeah you're creating your you're creating your life and like that book really does that for me and then I love right now I love everything about Mel Robbins and she recently came up with the high five habit and that's one of her books, but I love her on Instagram and I love everything that she's doing. She has a podcast going. I love listening to her. Um, she helps me understand how imperfect I am and how I'm getting it wrong all the time and that all of that's okay. Like she's very affirming to my philosophies and that um, I, that, like, I'm very careful and cautious about my world. So I want to share that I curate I purge things that make me feel bad all the time. I don't follow accounts that can shift my energy into a negative space, okay? So I'm always curating and controlling what's coming in, but I look forward to her in my feed. So I feel like bringing her up. Because Mel Robbins, she's an author. She's written the five-second uh, five rule, and then she now has the five-five habit. And like, I just love everything about her. So you can like read her books or consume her podcast or get like a quote or whatever off the Instagram. Very, very empowering, like helping you understand that it's okay to be imperfect. Yeah, I've seen some stuff. Question. Sorry, I'm gonna interrupt. Oh, hi, Jessica. I've been listening. Sorry, I've just been taking it all in. What would you say the process is for clarity bathing? I mean, we've we've talked about kind of 
so about it, but not really the process of clarity mapping. If you were to be, there's things that I've got online. Like if you go to shineonmethod.com, there's a, uh, you can download this thing called a phase finder. And uh, that's how I get started with people. And it's, um, I'm introducing this idea of mindset, that clarity and action. So in clarity mapping, the process is like that. It's creating those supports around your mindset. It's getting, clarity is about getting into personal inquiry. You're going through like a seven question uh, framework to get clear on yourself. So it's a very like discovery process type of curiosity thing. And then action, it's about, it's about execution. It's about the how. So once you know who you are, once you're discovering who you are, it's about experimentation and getting out there and trying things and being action. And then the cycle repeats. You wake up the next day and you're like mindset, clarity, action. So that's the process of clarity mapping. And with me, you can do a course that I have online. It's called the Shine On Experience. And there's also, you can book in sessions with me. And um, we go through those three things. And I help. I help you like a mirror and, and I like a magnifying glass, if you will, on certain areas when we go through the framework and we go through specific questions. Great, thank you so much. I'll check that out. Awesome. Yeah, that's, yes. so, that's yeah. so interesting. I, um, I feel like it, it is so elusive. Like something like saying, oh, I want to be activated in my life. I want to know myself. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, how do you do that? Let's go out there. Like a few years ago, somebody said that to me. They're like, you got to be chasing your dreams. And I was like, what dreams? What are you talking about? Like, I didn't have this bigger vision for my life. So I wasn't making any meaning in my life. I didn't feel empowered, right? And I feel like people are hungry for that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a framework to support people in getting into that personal inquiry, creating meaning for themselves. And it's simple. It's just seven questions. Yeah. Smart. Smart. Because I usually just ask people to read books. <laughs> so that's why I asked. Well, about this. So but I'll tell people to read books all day long, every day I meet you. Yeah. But I feel like when you have your clarity map and then you go read a book, it illuminates something on your clarity map. And you're like, oh, that helps me understand myself better. It also helps you understand the literature. It helps you go into the reading adventure with a different mindset than if you were to just not be clear on your on your intentions going into that book at all. And now I know like I have to mention another book. Dr. Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Oh, oh, so was was breaking the habit of, we're just having some audio issues. So breaking the habit of what? Breaking the habit of being yourself. Oh, breaking the habit of being yourself. Joe Dispenza. Okay. For anyone, like, I don't know if it's just my audio, but it, your audio is coming through a little bit funky. Oh, oh. So, but I think that okay. would, I, and Joe Dispenza is great. And we talk about him a lot actually in the tribe and on our call. So thank you for bringing him up because it's, yeah. He's important. He's important to mention because what I'm talking about when I'm talking about clarity marketing. Yeah, I'll for some reason. Can we hear each other? It's okay. Um, it's okay. It's been it's been okay thus far. It's just in the last like ten minutes that it's been a bit strange and it seems to be getting worse. So, but it's it. Oh, oh, you're you're muted now, but it's okay. Jessica's muted. 
I'm not on my own thing. No, yeah, it's it's your audio for some reason, but it's okay. We've I think you said all the important things that I think you need to say. Um, so I just wanted to I just wanted to wrap up the thing about yeah. Dr. Josephson's breaking the habit of being yourself. It's not about the fact that there's something wrong with you. It's about the fact that you unconsciously created an identity for yourself back in the day. At some point in your teenage years, you formed an identity around who you are and what you're all about, basically. And so Dr. Dodger spends a touches of how to break that habit out of narrative and create a new life. And that's and how that's we set ourselves, ourselves free. free. That's how that, that, that matches with the, the Victor Frankl mental means. Yeah. It's like, it's like, creating a new Yeah. That's the habit of the daily thoughts, thoughts, daily actions, and all that thing. So, so um, it's about that new identity. I really love how he does it. Like, him on YouTube, or I think he has a podcast. He has a great series on Gaia. If anybody yeah, has yeah, 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 I love it. I love it. So anyway, when that's, I start that's 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 worse so now we can't really hear you anymore so i'd rather i just i want to make sure that we are uh that we're, we're getting like a good a good goodbye and that i can't before i can't hear you at all um i'm not I'm not sure what's happening it might just be like a um like an audio i mean like a, a speaker thing um it was happening with my computer then i got a new computer it's all good but um that's okay uh well, i think we got everything that we we wanted to you you touched on inconsistency the consistency of inconsistency and how important it is for you we've encouraged everyone to find their secret sauce because really truly that is the most important thing um and it's inspired by clarity mapping so the work that you're doing is super important and working with teenagers and getting that clear early on like you said because joe dispenza does determine like does kind of a really good job in shining the light on how so much of our identity is shaped in our formative years working with teenagers to be able to do that is so special and you're doing some really quality work so thank you thank you for sharing about your your work and, and kind of your background and about your wellness journey and your struggles because it's really really important for people to hear that no matter what the struggle everyone's struggle looks different but the outcome is the same we need to find we all need to find a way out that speaks to you so that it's most sustainable because otherwise that hamster wheel is suffering right yeah Oh, see now, see, I can't hear you at all. See, this is perfect timing. <laughs> Lucy, thank you. Well, thank you both yeah. so much. Um, thank I'm you gonna, for joining. I'm going to follow your website, but I also have a 20 year old that I'm going to send to your website as well. She is in college and she's struggling to know what direction she should go as far as her major is concerned and what her life kind of looks like beyond beyond college. So I think this will help her a lot. And I know it'll help me because I'm a hot mess. So <laughs> you're not as you're on all the calls. You're doing a great job. But yeah, it, it, figuring out that clarity for the, your 20 year old and for you guys to do it together would make you so bring you so much closer together. That would be such a good idea. Well, it's not my 20 year old. I have an eight year old, but it is a friend of mine. <laughs> oh, okay, friend of, yeah. Um, well, your eight year old can start now.
Yes. She, yes. Although I, I think she's very cl- clear on who she is right now. <laughs> yeah. The eight-year-old. Yeah. Eight, eight-year-old. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was pretty clear at eight and then it kind of fell apart at 20. So I guess that's yeah. what happens. So yeah, definitely Jessica message, Lucy, get in contact. Thank you so much, Lucy, for joining. And thank you, Jessica, Jessica for ch- chiming in. Thank you, Miguel, for chiming in for, I think he had a sales call, so we had to go. Um, but have a great Thursday, you guys. Thanks again, Lucy. I'm sorry we can't hear you, but. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Guys. Oh, thanks for having me. She says, okay. Bye. Have a great day.